Welcome to the Shifting the Narrative video podcast, all around the shifting narrative in culture, business, the outdoors, sustainability, regeneration. And today we've got an awesome guest, the amazing Chrissy Levitt from Creative Conscience. She's an awesome creative thinker and has got a really great story or two to tell. So without further ado, Chrissy Levitt. What a pleasure. <laughs> We're down in Cornwall. Yeah, we are. Look at that. After a little bit of um, convincing, we've got the one of a kind Chrissy Levitt oh, over here. Bless um, you. <laughs> from uh, Creative Conscience and Positive Climate Activist. Yes. Is that what we're going to intro you as? Yes. I think so. I like that title. <laughs> can, that, can that be put on my gravestone, actually? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take that. So Positive climate activist. Yeah. Creative conscience. Yes. Global platform. Yes. Trains, rewards and supports. Yes. Creative thinkers. Yes. To focus on... Their ta- focus their talents on social and environmental sustainability. Is that, yeah. that the best In- intro? Impact, yeah. Impact. All about impact. Social and environmental impact. So I think that's what's so unique about you is that your perspective, like mine, is very much impact first, right? Absolutely. So what does that mean to you? Why, 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 why impact? And are you worried that the rest of the industry isn't impact focused? I think they're probably distracted by everyday life (laughs) because that's how our world works. So we're not taught to think about impact, are we? We're we're not taught to think about the impact we have on the world as individuals or as businesses. We're only taught about the money. Mm. So um, when we sit and think about a word, impact, then we go, okay, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you? It's doing every single thing in my power to make sure that when I leave the campsite, I leave it better than it was before I arrived. Mm. That's, for me, the only reason to exist Mm. is to be in service to other people and to try it with all my possible energy and might to leave the campsite better than it was before I arrived. So tell me, what 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 is the what is your mode of doing that? T- talk to us about um, creative conscience. Okay, so um, the kind of backstory was is that I was, you know, a designer. I am a designer, and I worked in the creative industry. And about twelve years ago, I had what you might call my road to Damascus moment <laughs> when I was miserable on the floor. I'd made terrible decisions. I'd messed up my life, my family's life. I mean, I was a kind of a mess, I'd say. But out of that place of despair comes great learnings, I suppose. And discovering how I got myself into that place led to the idea of building this organization Mm. which was trying to empower our industry instead of creating crap for the bin basically to empower our our industry to focus on things that were going to positively affect the world Mm. and so why do we need creativity more than ever right now well I think our world has been built on an economic system that is linear and serves the few and is non you know it's non-functional well it's functional but only for the few 
And in order to change a system, you need to have creative thinkers. Mm. And um, we're, you know, all human beings are creative, but I think the creative industry is in a really good place because we've been trained in that space. We're in a really good place to tell stories, inspire new systems, design new systems, get people out on the streets for civil disobedience mm. and for um, just just to kind of wake up mm. to what is actually happening to us and um, this place we call home. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing that you know we obviously share and with the shifting narrative podcast. People who are listening to this are obviously interested in the, in the shifting narrative of creativity, of, of sustainability of business. Like, the agency world is a world that you interact with a lot. Yes. Is there a wake-up moment that you had? Yes. <laughs> so I was working in this brand. I'm, I'm a graphic designer by trade, not advertising, but I was working in a kind of branding design agency. We designed products as well, and... Um, that's why I say we're just designing stuff for the bin. <laughs> and I was leading, I was the lead creative in this agency. Um, and they kind of even stuck me on the board. I mean, can you imagine me on the board? Anyway, they put me in a place of kind of creative power, if you like. And we had quite a big company, a big client who came to us. They were Danish. I'm not going to say their name. And they um, came to us to redesign... Um, a whole load of packaging and products and, and, and for a new, a new, a whole new thing that okay. were, what we call new product development. And they were changing their entire factory line. They were basically building a new factory or everything that went in it. Millions and millions of euros worth of stuff. And so, because I didn't really have to answer to anyone, I got, like, all the team on researching, um, you know, New tech, green mm-hmm. tech, mm-hmm. biodegraded materials, start all the stuff that was really new on the market. But so when was this? Like about 12 years okay. ago. So really, really new stuff. And we went over there to Denmark and we presented all this work. It was yeah, all yeah. like, this is what's possible for you as an organization. This is the future. Look what you can do. It was really, really exciting. And the presentation looked great. <laughs> we didn't kind of know what they thought because they're Northern European and they never yeah, give anything like away. It's like, <laughs> the Finns are the same, you know, you never know. Anyway, brilliant, brilliant. We came back to the UK and the next day, going into the studio and being hauled in in front of the MD and being told right to my face, you are never to speak to a client about that again. Wow. Right? That was the party line. Did, did the client shut it down? What was No. <laughs> I mean, that was the maddest thing. I learned later that it hadn't come from the client. Oh. It had come from our own client services team. Our own people in our business. And they were afraid... They were afraid because they thought we might lose the client. And that was the moment that I just thought, this is insane. Just trying to play it safe? Well, they get us in because we're creative and they want (laughs) our ideas and we're not allowed to be creative and share the ideas. 
It was mental. And then at the same time, as I mentioned, you know, things were going tits up in my personal life. It was all going wrong. And I just went on a kind of, I just went on a massive learning curve on what was happening, why it was happening. And then that out of that was about two years of craziness. And out of that came this idea of creative conscience. So if people are listening, yes, going through that journey right now, yes. what advice would you give them? If they're in a system that they're not happy with because they're, they're, they're contributing to the destruction of our future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really articulate to put it. Look at what's going on in the world, mm. like the world, not just your world, but outside. And then see what you can do within the system you're in. So you can change things from inside, mm. get help, get mentorship, get training on mm. how you can change stuff from in, inside. Or if you think you've got a, transpa- a transferable skill that will still put food on the table, mm. seek that out mm. and shift your allegiance it could be a charity an NGO mm. and you know a number of other organizations maybe a, a, a B Corp which is on a you know better path um, and just stand in the light mm. Mm. It, you've got to yeah you've got to stand in the light because when you are bombarded with this crap that we're all bombarded with on a daily basis through the news and stuff like that. I don't engage with any of that stuff. Um, you know, working in the sort of climate area and social area, it can get quite dark. Mm. So you just got to make for every bit of dark information, you seek out the kind of the, the, the good. Mm. Constantly be looking for the balance because otherwise you could, you could take, it could take you to a very dark place. So you've got to, you've got to stand in the light. And I think, um, Sounds really cheesy. Oprah Winfrey or someone said that, you know. But that's what I say when I'm having my darkest moments. I seek something out that's positive. Because we're we're at Goodfest. We're in Cornwall. We're literally around, uh, you know, a couple of hundred genuinely progressive people yeah. in an amazing landscape. Yeah. Beautiful. That's the so sun's privileged out. as well. Isn't that amazing? We, we, yeah. Twelve years ago you didn't have that network. You didn't have no. the movement that we're in right now. No. I just had despair. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Literally out of despair comes great learnings. So even if yeah. you're feeling like you're in a terrible place that's where magic happens. You know, we know this for a fact. In yeah. times of crisis, in times of recession, that's when humanity is at its greatest. That's when we become inventive, when we, we seek out new possibilities, when we invent new ways of being. So that's kind of, especially in the UK, that's kind of where we're, we are right now with our so-called leaders. So the idea that that, it, that is a possibility mm is super exciting and powerful, I think. Let's go for the high yeah. five. Yeah, hey, <laughs> cheesy high five. We're <laughs> on the revolution. Anyway, yeah. Should we talk about your jacket? My jacket? Yeah, well, my jacket. Okay, so um, I said to, to the two Js um, that I wear this, I wear this jacket um, and yes, yesterday I was down with a whole load of students at Falmouth University, and I wear this jacket as an example 
of positive creative activism, mm. and because it's um, it's made from the, uh, it probably made in the seventies. It's rather lovely, if I say so myself. It's kind of velvety. It's a bit cheesy. It's got this sort of scalloped thing, but it's also been pimped up, and it's got like anti-consumption labels on it. So this, I think, is an H and M label, and there's various di different labels, and then on the back, it's got I've stamped. Um, <laughs> I'll kneel on the floor. But I've sort of the video viewers. An XR logo on it, <laughs> and I've stuck other things on it myself as well. And it's just that idea of kind of li kind of living it and having fun with it. Mm. Um, especially when you're talking to a lot of young people about conscious consumption and trying to persuade them not to go to Primark and and look, you can have fun and be different, and it's you know it doesn't have to be sort of sackcloth and ashes mm. changing the world can be really good fun it mm. can be really mischievous and and that's what we do we create positive mischief i'd say um <laughs> and it is it's a lot of fun that that it's, it's really interesting um because as we come out of this period of covid this i mean you know the first time that we we engaged um, together was an event, I think back in February t 2020. Yeah. It was the first, I think it might have been the first Creative Conscience event at Havas in London, uh, for, for, for me at least, in yeah. running it viral. Um, and there seemed to be this movement going on, right? You, yes. you know, you had Fridays for Future, XR was like, you know, just so interesting. It was refreshing. Yes. We have had a few things happen to the world since then. Yes. Where Where's your mind at with the movement right now? Like, are you optimistic? Are you hopeful? Is things like XR where you're wanting it to be right now? Yeah, big question. Good question. Thank you. Um, it wasn't the first one we'd done. It was the first kind of four-day thing we'd done. <laughs> So, it, yeah, we run these creative change makers events and we'd done, I think, four before that. Right. Um, the first one was maybe 2017 or something mm. at the Design Museum. Um, anyway, um, and they'd been successful, those one day things. So we thought, right, let's just go for it. And it was a kind of a moment of madness, really. We just kind of were, we were running out of money, actually. Uh, we had very little money in the coffers and I was sort of said stuff this let's just blow everything on an event and see what happens <laughs> at least we'll go down with a smile on our faces and actually it kind of worked because it helped it helped a little bit put some extra money into because we're a charity and um and it it was all about it was it because i've been to so many kind of green things conferences and stuff I just started feeling like, oh, this is what was... Everyone got really fired up and then they'd leave the room and then like a week later, nothing had changed. Mm. So the focus on it was getting people to commit to take action. And mm. then we surveyed people afterwards. And the first time we did that, 85% of people had, who were served it had changed. Amazing. And then when we did it in line, uh, online, during that strange time we're not <laughs> going to mention... 92% of the people who came to that event wow. changed behaviour. So it's all about trying to change behaviour. Mm. So I guess mindset-wise, it's how do we wake the world up? Mm. That's where my mind... That's when we did a lovely 
session with with Dan Burgess just down on the beach earlier, and it was about where is your mind at? Where what what's going on for you? And that's constantly going through my mind. How do we wake everyone up? How do we get them off the sofa? And onto the streets mm. because we need, alongside political and um, you know companies, we need civil disobedience. We do, and Jonathan Porritt says that you know he's our big our up. hero. Big ups, Jonathan. Big up to Jonathan. Um, so how do we wake? How do we people get people off their phones and out and having fun as well, like coming together as humanity? So that's big on my mind, and then. Um, Creating a kind of campaign, a call out to our industry mm-hmm. as a challenge of, okay, you guys, you're all experts in marketing and advertising and whatever it is you do, filmmaking, animation. How do we engage people to do that? Because it's not mine, it's not for me to come up with a great idea. <laughs> well, maybe I could, but you know, it's about us collectively. Mm. So how do we bring creative conscience together with... Um, Creators, uh, uh, creators for climate and mm. um, uh, purpose disruptors mm. and um, XR and how do we how do we pull all these great people that are, are doing stuff together mm. um, to do something really powerful? So that's really on my mind right now. So you asked a um, really good question earlier. Mm. Um, can you remember what the question was and what the response was? We were watching a Patagonia talk. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty cool from Patagonia. The oh, it was an amazing <laughs> response. I felt slightly stupid that I didn't know that they were I, doing that I stuff. Didn't, I didn't know that either, but that just shows the testament of... It's funny because, like, you know, running a, um, a creative sustainability company, yes. we, we almost, like, ban using... Patagonia case studies because it's just so obvious right they're just so good it's like let's just find the other organizations doing cool things I didn't know they did this no and how cool is it so tell tell the listeners so we we had this amazing talk from the guy from from, I don't remember his name that's awful isn't it a lovely brilliant marketing man from Patagonia I think obviously here in the UK or Europe and um he'd said all these great things that they'd done but there was nothing about civil disobedience in there and because we're mischief makers I thought I'm going to ask that question so <laughs> I said okay has or will Patagonia ever be involved in encouraging people to get onto the streets mm. and off the bottoms and, and, and doing this stuff and then he just told us in this great list of amazing things so they train their people don't they um if they get arrested stuff like all that all the processes they've got a for bail that. fund they, yeah they've got a <laughs> bail fund they 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 actively support fridays for the future yeah. i mean people... ryan gellett the ceo is literally uh you know b- b- being arrested and, and um and he's know... in handcuffs <laughs> and stuff like that so it was brilliant, wasn't it? And everyone in the room started cheering. It was like, so cool. it was the best answer that he could have given. It was the last question, wasn't it? And I think that really fulfilled me with joy. Yeah, Because totally. up until then, it had all been sitting within the realm of business mm. and what we expect. Mm. I mean, they had touched the political stuff, but it wasn't the actual um, getting people to rise up, which I was just, yeah, it was brilliant. It was fantastic. So civil disobedience. <laughs> <laughs> where this are we is at? where it gets really fun doesn't it yeah. exciting. 
Yeah. What can we? What sort of mischief can we make? Yeah, and, and like, what, like, where, where are we at right now? It's we're coming to the end of twenty twenty two. Um, you know, civil disobedience clearly works, mm. but perhaps movements I, I personally think have kind of not diluted, but they aren't perhaps as prevalent as pre pandemic. Yes. Well, they've also in this country changed all the laws, so they've made they've criminalised all sorts of terrible things and yep. um, no, all sorts of innocent things, and they've made those things terrible. But that's all the more reason, to, you know, get more French. I call it. <laughs> you know, I th- I'm really excited because I think we need a general strike in this country. Imagine, you know, what that would be like. I also had this thought, like, imagine if all the people in this country, and there's got to be millions and millions of us who are self-employed mm. or sole traders, just refused to pay tax. <laughs> they can't lock up 10 million people. What if we just said no? Collectively, on the 31st of January, no. Mm. What would that look like? Mm. Right? That would be so powerful. I like that idea. Should we make that happen? So, I think if anybody's going to make it happen, you're going to make it happen. Oh, yeah. Anyone out there who's a freelancer, get in touch. Let's start a non-taxpaying movement. So, um, I don't know. I, look, I fell into the NGO world. I come from a, like, a design background. Mm. And what I've observed is that um, when I've been in the room with lots of NGOs, it's quite lots of fiefdoms. And it's understandable. Everyone's sort of scrambling for pots of funding and their research mm. projects, and and actually, it's enough of that because that comes from that that old paradigm. We've got to sit down and go. This is an, a, a, a a place of abundance. Mm. Um, what if we all held hands and, and 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 shared data and research and and joined forces? Um, and stop going, or I'm, you know, uh, working for an environmental um, organi- you know, charity, and this person is, and I'm after this money, and they're after this money, and it's all kind of um, from a place of scarcity. What if it wasn't like that? Mm. What if we pulled, everyone pulled our resources? What does that look like? And I know surfers against sewage work a lot like that. So I would like to see those of us who are working in the creative space and the environmental space for us to pull our resources together and come together mm. as as, a, as groups of people and that's why i think maybe setting this challenge to the world to the creative world so how do we get people off their seats and do that as a collective thing that that could be a a, um, a, a good thing to try something that you're uh, a big fan of is yeah. Sir Tim Smith, who oh, backs that idea. I love Tim Smith. <laughs> I love him. In fact, the only reason I'm in touch with him is because I met him here at Goodfest in 2019. Really? And now he's very kindly supports us and does talks. And um, That's the first time I saw him speak. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Woo, woo, big shout out for Tim. So just Tim comes at things... From an anything is possible perspective. And just explain who he is. Oh, okay. So he is the co-founder of. Um, is it? I don't know how to. Say, I don't know. Is it the, the the Halligan Gardens? Is that how you Eden say Eden Projects? And the Eden Project. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, that, that he co-founded the Eden. That was a, that was a, a, a base kind of building creative conscience on something he said on a on a on a video. I watched him like <laughs> ten years, twelve years ago, and he said, "Speak about it like it's a future truth." Yeah, and that's kind of a bit around the place of setting an intention, and then putting sharing it, and then it's more likely to happen. Um, so he's been a huge inspiration, not just to me, but to many, many, many people. And um, he definitely comes at life from a place of possibility. Mm. And I think that's really valuable for all of us who are interested in making change. Anything is possible. Is there any other people or movements that you're inspired by at the moment? Oh, so many. <laughs> I mean... I've always been a massive fan of Friends of the Earth and Greenpeace and supported them. Um, XR, love XR. When they arrived on the scene, I was like, thank goodness for that. You know, it was like, yes. T tell, tell us about that. When was the first time you, you heard or interacted with XR? So it was a friend of mine who's quite activistic, um, had come around uh, for a party that we'd thrown at our flat and she told me about it in the morning. We were all like lying around a bit blurry-eyed. And she said, oh, there's these people and they're taking over like six bridges across London. I was like, wow, who are they? I want some of that. And then... Um, that sounds like some mischief. That was the first <laughs> thing they did, I think. And then from that, the second thing, which was again, I shouldn't say it was so much fun, we um, dressed up as like funeral directors. So uh, we went on a kind of funeral march and it was from down from Trafalgar Square and down into um, Parliament Square, all dressed, uh, I had a top hat, all dressed in black and um, a little papier-mâché globe that my son had made years ago at school and was waving this around and stopping people in the street. And yeah, so that was, that was the first time and um, so I love XR. And then there's things in the States like is it Earth Rise mm. and there's just so many. Um, and you know, new new arrivals on the scene within our industry mm. for things like purpose disruptors yeah. and um, creators for climate. Yep. There's one in the States that we've reached out to, it's more digital coming out of LA um, called Designers for Climate. Mm. There's creators for climate. There's, you know, that it's all starting to happen. Yeah. So um, what I would love is that if all of us could hold hands and work together, and that's quite hard because everyone's at the coal face doing it. But I think if we really want to create impact, that's what we should do. Mm. That's what I'd love for us to do. So I'm just starting to have cheeky little conversations with a few people and saying, "Would you be?" In you be up for this and step by step yeah gonna, gonna give that project a, a try and see if it something will happen <laughs> i'd love it there's no such thing as failure is there <laughs> it's just learning or or getting somewhere there's no, there's no such thing as failure so we'll either learn something someone will take part <laughs> even if it you know makes our eyes bleed it will still something will happen if you chuck something out into the universe i think yeah so love it we've been advised kind of not to do it and then we've been advised to do it so i think we'll probably do it <laughs> <laughs> we share something Ooh. we share many things oh adhd oh <laughs> 
Talk to yeah. me about our superpower. Yeah, now that's a really interesting thing. Um, I, I've never been diagnosed, and nor nor was my my father, or probably his father, and brothers and nephews. Maybe nephews actually have and been pumped full of retinin and stuff like that. But, um, yes, uh, it, what is interesting is it's really common in the kind of creative areas of life. Um, and that doesn't have to be like drawing or filmmaking. It could be physicists. You mm. could be a physicist or a mathematician. You know, that's, it's just people who think quite odd, probably, <laughs> or in a different way than um, we're maybe expected to by our school system. Um, but I was talking to you about Gabor Mate, mm. who's a huge, huge hero of mine. Mm. And he has um, worked with really addiction. Okay. But also prior to that, under, he's, a, he's a doctor, and prior to that, understanding ADD and mm-hmm. ADHD and how that develops in the human mind. Mm. And what's so fascinating is I always thought it was a genetic thing, mm. but actually it looks like through the research in um, brain development that actually it comes through the environment you're in mm. and a lack of connection at a certain age, mm. a very young age. So that is uh, a, a book that I would recommend anyone who has ADD or ADHD is called Scattered Minds, nice. and I'm listening to it because I can't read. <laughs> and, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. But do you think that this, like, radical out-the-box thinking, mm. which, you know, I guess stems from, one, people, you know, being perhaps... Uh, more accepting to risk, um, yeah. more accepting to kind of going against the grain. Yeah. Like that, does that lead to progression in the sustainability movement? Yes, of course. I mean, you need people who think differently to change the system. Was it what Mr. Fuller said? You know, you can't operate in an existing system, you have to change the system. Mm. And he was a brilliant, brilliant thinker. Um, yeah, I think definitely. I, I'm, I would also sort of question you around talking about sustainability as well, mm. because sustainability isn't sort of going to get us to where we need to go. We need to really be looking at regeneration totally. as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think definitely people who think slightly differently are, are definitely going to help get us to where we need to go and always have done you know if you look at Einstein or a lot of uh, brilliant thinkers um, they had dyslexia and he probably had ADD and stuff as well even though it wasn't a thing so for sure Mm. we are we're part of the solution all of us are part of the solution but I think in particular us slight loony type (laughs) thinkers um, yeah, I mean, it comes with its challenges, right? Totally. Because it makes it difficult to focus on one thing and there's always this shiny thing over here that you want to do. And Yeah, it, it, but it, it's, it is, like you say, it's a superpower. Mm. Um, and now we need it more than ever. We need creative thinkers more than ever. Where? Inside big businesses? Everywhere. Freelancers? What advice would you give for people inside organisations versus, you know, people who are at the kitchen table on their own every day? Inside organisations, is you can change it from within. Mm. You're in it. Great. You've got an opportunity right there. 
you know, there's no, there's no point in us all standing outside Coca-Cola screaming at them. We need people inside Coca-Cola as well as, you know, we need it coming from every possible angle. Mm. Um, we, look, we work a lot with young creatives in education because we figured that we could get in, like, from stealth-like from the bottom up. Mm. Um, so it's every possible angle that we can think of. We've got to be there gently living it, being it. And, but, I mean, you know, the creatives that I know that you work with, mm. you work with, you know, people, all different backgrounds, all different yes. industries, but it can feel quite lonely, especially, you know, um, working from home and in small yes. organisations, yes. perhaps with not much funding, yes. without big teams. Yes. Like, isn't there a level at some point, especially in these difficult topics and conversations that we're in to feel a bit hopeless oh yeah I feel hopeless kind of on a daily basis <laughs> you know but that that feeling of despair can be a bouncing totally. point so it's remembering that and seek out those who are doing it like who b become part of an organization or you know subscribe to people's newsletters watch YouTube things like constantly be filling yourself mm. with hope and understanding of what's possible and there are amazing things happening all over the world um i'll give you actually I'll give you an example so we we were asked to go and do a talk and a workshop mm. at an aerospace <laughs> okay. company okay a great amazing green tech organization that are developing hydrogen renewable hydrogen air engines for aeroplanes that will be retrofitted into existing air aircraft because we know like going oh let, let, we'll move to an electric car that's not the future because they're still using all the material to build the electric car mm. we need to retrofit electric engines actually if, and the same with planes so we went in there and it's this sea of like 150 mostly blokes i have to say because they're engineers tough crowds you know <laughs> physicists chemists you know standing there and we were brought in to try and get them the aim was to get them to think differently about the organization and what they were doing and stuff mm. and so i sort of stood up and said started talking about um gender-based violence in south africa so seven women every day get murdered in south africa from gender-based violence Whoa. 14,000 underage girls in the last four years, some of them as young as 10, fallen pregnant. They've got the five times the global average for femicide. I mean, it's a country in despair from violence, gender-based violence. And so we'd worked on a project with a number of different organisations in South Africa to do comms and, 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 and images. And it was um, for a huge uh, f sort of film and educational project that was going to roll out across the country to 150,000 boys and and young men in, in townships and stuff like that. And so we showed a couple of little films around this thing. And the sea of faces was just like completely underwhelmed, not interested. They're engineers. They're focused on their green tech. That's what ma that's about changing mm. the world. Who cares about these little girls in Africa who are getting raped and murdered? You know, well, you know, why should any of us care? Actually, you know, is that that sort of feeling? 
until we showed them a slide that was a, di a diagram from really um, Project Drawdown, mm. Paul Hawkins draw brilliant yep. thing. And on that diagram, it shows the sixth and the seventh most important thing that humanity can do around the climate is educating young girls in the developing world yep. and around reproductive rights. Mm. Exactly the stuff around toxic ma ma masculinity. And when we showed them that slide, the room completely changed. They got it. Mm. That's why they should care. Mm. Prior to them seeing that slide, they're not interested. Mm. So that's why I'd say to people, it's like, look at the, wor the world outside your world of what's going on. And social and environmental impact are absolutely integrated. You cannot separate those two things. Mm. You know, social justice and climate just, justice are intertwined. Mm. And getting people to understand that and that, that it doesn't matter if they're starting a community group with young people in their neighborhood or they're designing new engines for, you know, renewable hydrogen, it's all really valid. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's an ex a really good example of seeing things differently. So... Um, to bring it to an end, this amazing conversation, because we are going to speak for hours and hours and hours over the next couple of days in this beautiful yeah, coastline. Yeah, look at learning. I to know. Get back to learning. <laughs> <laughs> you are at the very early stages of writing a book. Oh gosh, yes. Now I've to, now I've told you that and I can't <laughs> go back. Now this has got to, it's going to happen. I have to make it happen. Yeah. So again, I listened to something that Gabor, because my Gabor, my new hero, Gabor Mate, Gabor Mate, Gabor Mate, said. Only start writing a book when you think you've got something to say. <laughs> and I thought, I'd been, this has been on my mind for about five years. And mm. as a dyslexic, it's like, really? Do I really want to do that? Is that really important? But actually, I think it kind of is because of the world that we work in and we see people totally. searching for purpose, searching for connecting to their creativity and then the huge pandemic we have in the developed world around mental health. So that's what it's about. I'm looking forward to seeing and reading, actually listening. Listening, listening. yes. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, the, it, has to, it has to be read because I can't read books and you don't read books. So it's <laughs> got to be some sort of audio book at some stage. But I, I'm not sure when it will come, but it will come. And that I, I've said it now, so there's no turning back. Okay, so some quick fire things to, to um, end. Yes. One podcast that you'd recommend? Oh, it has to be Dan's, Burgess's, Spaceship Earth. Um, you are out in nature listening to some music, thinking about sustainability. What are you listening to? Oh, blimey. Um, I have to say, it's good. it would have to be some happy house music, <laughs> and I'd be dancing, probably on the beach, not thinking about anything, but yeah. I think I know what this answer is going to be, but what book would you recommend right now? Well, actually, it's not going to be Gavel Matty's one, because I've already said that, but it would be Jason Hinkle's Less Is More book. Yes. It's quite, a, it's quite sad and sobering, but I learned things about capitalism and the mm. structure and the history of it that's changed my life. 
transformed my life. Um, so yeah, that that if if nothing else, that that those few chapters around the birth of where, how we got to where we are today was really powerful for me personally. And and final one, um, maybe sounds a bit desert island discs this, doesn't it? But um, if you were to work with one person, or maybe I'll give you a couple of people, okay. who would you work with? You right now <laughs> in this present moment. That's about being present, right? That's about being conscious. I love that. Should we do a cheesy high five to end? Yeah, I just <laughs> to change my hand. Yeah, I love cheese.